Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bootstrap Web. Mr. Brian Castle, how are we on this Friday afternoon? Doing good. I am officially fully vaccinated. Got my second nice. shot yesterday. Congrats. I'm unnaturally excited for Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. The Knicks are in the playoffs. I mean, 2021 is turning out to be a pretty good year compared to last year. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't watch sports anymore, but I do see old tweets about the Knicks. That's kind of cool. I'm just excited to get out and be social. You know, we have like a pool thing and a strawberry picking thing and a block party and then someone's house in the evening. It's like, oh my God, a whole weekend of social activity. I just very excited. Love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've got some things. I think it's been a couple of weeks since we, uh, since we recorded. I don't know what the excuse is, but we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> what do we got? I am in execution mode, right? There was a lot of planning and all this other stuff. And, and now it's really about, okay, we, we made the announcement. The product is out there and really use that to kickstart some momentum. And at this stage, because the product isn't ready for people to sign up for and use, what that really means is an enormous number of conversations. And I'm not surprised at all that this is, this is like me at my happiest. Doing three calls a day somehow makes me really happy and excited. Maybe other people don't like doing calls. Completely opposite for me, but. <laughs> yes, and, and maybe for most people, but that's kind of how you know I'm an extrovert. It just makes me so excited. And for a long time with Rally, it was a lot of idea formulation in isolation. Not that many conversations with external parties. You know, friends and people that I keep in touch with in the industry and certain merchants and other people that, that I became friends with through partnerships and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, it was in isolation. And then to take all that and make it public and then start to have these conversations and, and really start to map our internal assumptions with what people are really saying and feeling. And it, it's like, it's a relief that it feels like we're right. <laughs> you know, it, it would be uh, not as exciting. There are conversations that are, to are, are exciting to have. The thing that, that bums me out is when I have like just a lot of repetitive like sales calls. I, I used to be doing sales calls for audience ops and, and I'm no longer doing those. I have a salesperson in place now. So that has opened up so much space in my calendar so then the only calls that I ever have are usually customer research calls for, for ZipMessage um, or talking to somebody that I might be working with soon, like hiring soon or something like that. But even then, since it's ZipMessage, a, a lot of the interaction that I'm having with customers is through ZipMessage. And we're having these asynchronous conversations using ZipMessage and on video and everything and going back and forth. And it's... I don't mean to be the guy who's just promoting his own shit on this podcast, but dog food, but like really dog fooding it. And like, and I'm talking to people who are currently in their trial for zip message, right? Like that's one of the things is I go through the list of people trialing and I send them a message into their zip message account. And, and then we start back and forth and I've been doing a lot of those. And actually the more I do those, the, it's sort of addicting to, to really embrace the asynchronous nature because then every now and then I have a live Zoom call on my calendar and that's like a little bit more painful than, you know, knowing that I'm still having all these other interactions, but like, oh, I have to actually like show up this afternoon for this thing. At a certain time, my proximity to zip message has implanted it in my head. 
And now that it's there, it just, I keep bumping into it because I, I like a Zoom call, but that is to meet someone maybe for the first time. And it's like a email back and forth. You set a time and then you meet, you meet there. But with the team, I, I recently, and I can, I can actually talk about this as one of the topics. I laid out my go-to-market strategy around integration partnerships. And I didn't know how to do that other than Slack. So I went to Slack and I wrote almost like a blog post inside of Slack so that the engineering and product teams could really see what the plan is. So they can map that back to the features they're building and the priority that they're looking at and why we're going about it a certain way, because this is the plan. You are building and making this strategy possible. Then we're going to go execute it in this way. And I thought to myself, I should be doing that much more regularly. Slack is very limited. And so I, I bump into it again. I'm like, well, okay, then we need something like, like zip message where I can make the message go out without having to call a meeting and telling people, let's all show up because they're in Europe. It's, it's not cool. It has to be really critical to ask people to gather around at 6 p.m. so that I can talk to them about something. It's really not necessary almost all the time. Yeah. And, and next week we're coming out with our direct Slack integration for, for zip message. That's what I've been working on this week. Can you just talk about how that works real quick? <laughs> yeah, one second. Okay, cool. Because the other cool thing about it is, like you said, to have to sort of combine a live Zoom call with the asynchronous follow-up or, or preparation before the call. So I'm talking to someone who I might hire and work with soon for a long-term position. I could talk more about that in, in, later in this episode. But so it was the first time I met him. So we had a live call and had a really good conversation, but then... There's a lot of follow-up questions to, and, and things to hash out about us working together. So we did all that over ZipMessage for the past few days. And like we, we really moved the ball forward like quite a bit without having to do like a second call and a third. Like we'll probably have another Zoom call at some point, but it covers so much more ground. And we're in different time zones too, and so it, it helps. And yeah, but on, on the product front, the, the last week, uh, I've been focused on building this Slack integration. It's been a really popular request. We have so many features that we need to do. A lot of them are like kind of small, but like there, there's just a lot of little things that, that a lot of them are requests. A lot of them are obvious improvements that we need to make. And I started to like kind of prioritize in the roadmap board and GitHub, started to like sort of tag them like this feature would help with converting new customers. Whereas this feature would help with making current customers happier, a better experience. Um, this feature is small, should take like half a day to, to ship. This feature is still shaping and we need, we need time on it. So mostly I'm prioritizing the ones that would convert customers because uh, that's probably the most important thing right now. But at the same time, there's some that like, if you're trialing and there's certain parts of the experience that are not, that, that are a little rough or don't need to be as frustrating or missing certain things that are sort of obvious. You know, we need to build that stuff too um, to help them convert from trialing to paid, right? So it's it's just a constant battle of, of picking which features to work on today versus four days from now or, you know, and then of course mix into that a thousand bugs that, that come up and like which ones of those are like showstoppers, which ones of those we could tackle later. Do you, do you have a, a sprint cadence you've established? One week, two week, four week? It, it's not super organized. It, it's just me and my, my one developer. So, so basically it's all me 
deciding what to do when, and then I, I, I have a, I give him a cue of issues to tackle. He right. just takes he, them he goes in order in the order that I set. Yeah. The order is important. Yeah. And I'm constantly shifting things around like on, on the board, like, like before you work on that, work on this. And I, I'm basically the, the, the head of product on this. So I, I spend a lot of time every single day hashing out, you know, the, the plan for how we're implementing features, reviewing his work, going back and testing and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, that matrix you were talking about between how difficult it is to finish and what does it accomplish? You know, attracting new customers, keeping existing customers, keeping people from leaving, converting more, that sort of thing. I mean, that's because it is at the problem. point now where the core concept for zip message is built. Like you can have a full conversation, video, audio, screen, text, all that is in there. And now it's about like really taking it to the next level and filling in the gaps. Um, and this Slack integration is is one of those things where it's like there's a little bit of friction. If, you, if you're having a conversation in ZipMessage and you're also communicating in Slack, how do you keep those in sync? And so, so he's, he's working on some stuff with the recorder side of it. And I've been my, just myself working on the Slack integration, which has been fun for the last week. And so it's kind of cool because it'll be a two-way sync, right? So if you post something in ZipMessage, it shows up in Slack. If you post something in Slack, it shows up in ZipMessage. But it, but it uses the threading in Slack. So when you start a conversation in ZipMessage, it becomes a thread in, in Slack. In Slack. Also. Uh, so it doesn't, doesn't need to be like its own Slack channel, like a ZipMessage no, channel? No, you, you can choose which channel to- And just drop it in. That starts into. a combo. It yeah. Starts a, it starts a threaded conversation in Slack. Yeah. So here, here's a question for you. When, when I hear that, I immediately think, okay, how do I get the ideal is how do I get Slack to tell all their customers about us, right? That's like the ideal that, that I would shoot for. And then oftentimes that might, A, not happen. Sometimes the company's just too big, they're not gonna pay attention to you. Or B, it might take six months of a relationship building before that happens. And so slightly less ideal is how do, how do I go the other way? How do I go bottom up? How do I tell existing Slack users about it? Maybe they have an app store. And then how do I, identify people who are succeeding with it and then use that to not pressure, but convince the larger company that yes, this does deserve your attention. That is basically what I wrote to the team uh, that I just talked about in, in the go-to-market strategy that it's basically that here's why we are integrating with four different front ends and four different back ends because this is what we do. We integrate, then we shoot for the ideal, then we go from bottom up and then hopefully the bottoms up helps achieve the ideal. And that is, that's your marketing of one to many without an existing audience. So, you know, Slack does have an, an app store and ZipMessage will have an app on, like I'm building that app right now through this integration. One of the cool things, I did not realize this until I got into building it. I haven't really seen any other platforms do this, but, but Slack gives you a meta tag that I can put in the, in the code base for zip message. So if you're ever in a Slack, and you've probably seen this in Slack, yeah, right? Yeah, slash you, Zoom. Is that, is that what you mean? Like a shortcut? Well, yeah, we, we will have that, like slash zip message. But before you ever even install the zip message app in your Slack, if you mention zip message in your Slack, 
it prompts you to say, hey, there's an app for that. Oh, I didn't know that. I think you can, cool. um, I think it might be, if anyone ever shares a zip message link, like a zip message.com URL link in. Yes, okay. In a Slack channel, the little Slack bot will pop up and say, hey, there's a zip message app for Slack. Mm -hmm. Do you want to install it? Their bot is, it can be a little intrusive, right? A little bit. The only time I really find intrusive is when it's repetitive. Like, I, I know, don't give me the same warning message again. Or like, no, I don't want to, like, look, can I just say I don't want Google Docs integration forever? Please stop asking me. That, yeah. And, and I don't use the Slack um, desktop app. I, I, I use it in the browser. Do so it's really? like, how many times? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm weird like that. Why? I just like it in the browser. I don't know. I, I use the iOS app, but I don't use the desktop. Oh, interesting. I um, kind of use as many desktop apps. So I have to say like <laughs> no to the desktop app like 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> like, he really doesn't want the desktop. Yeah. But, but when, it's, <laughs> when it's helpful, it's kind of fascinating because it's really, it's like surfacing their docs inside of the product. I very rarely go to slack.com and look around their app store, but I will go from the desktop app into slack.com into my admin to approve let's say zoom and then come back out and it's it's shockingly good how the bot just allows that entry and then you come right back into the app yeah like the, the way that i think about integrations generally is it's more about does it solve sort of a customer problem but also a customer conversion problem like i see it as like this converts more customers because they they need that integration in order for this to to be a tool that they will adopt. Right, like you have to check that box in, in the sales yeah. process in their heads of, of, will it work with my existing flow? Yeah, like I, I don't necessarily take it from like a marketing first approach as in terms of like a reason to build an integration. There might be exceptions to that, but like the way that I'm thinking in terms of integrations right now, Slack is the first one that we're releasing. Probably Zapier will be the second one. Um, cause that opens the door to a lot of like possibilities. And then a lot of people have been asking for help scout integration. Um, okay. For the support angle, which, yeah, which, which I would use too. And so I could see that happening like a direct help scout integration. The only other one that's sort of an integration would be like doing a, a, a browser extension so that you can fire up a zip message from anywhere. Yeah. That sounds like a feature that would help keep existing customers to make them happier. Yeah. Yeah, so that like on the integrations front, like those four, like the Slack, Zapier, Help Scout, and browser extension, that's all I have on the list for now of like probably will build in the next few weeks and months. Anything else, it's got to be a really good reason to build it. Um, right, Jira, something else. Because there's plenty of other big features that we're going to build, like um, transcriptions and a bunch of other stuff that, that people are asking for. So, you know, it's about where, where do I put the, the dev hours on, on this, you know, and, was, and, and, the, you know, it's, we're dealing with video. So while I was do, working on the Slack integration, my developer is working on how do we speed up the video upload time? How do we make that more reliable? How do we make it work in all the browsers in all situations? Like there's a lot of little things like that to, to put dev yeah. hours on. Is there a lot of, tech to build there or is it really choosing the right services and vendors and that type of thing and at least being efficient with the video that a lot of it is like there's new 
abilities in the browser that we're able to take advantage of now that probably weren't there like two, one or two years ago. It, it is harder to make work consistently reliable all the time and have, you know, like Safari is the one that gives us the most problems right now. And there are some, some edge cases where we have to have a good fallback option. Like if you're on this older version of Safari, then we need to tweak the experience in this way so that you're not completely lost. And, you know, there, there's little things like that that we need to sort of smooth out. You know, We have an issue with the Brave browser, but because it's only an issue in the admin, we can just say, don't use Brave for the admin, right? But you, you can't say, don't use Safari for the admin because your your user's user <laughs> it might, might it's customer facing yep. yeah yeah it's not unusable in 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 really um right but not as good all browsers including mobile like it, it works on mobile too it's just not quite as smooth as the the newest version of all the browsers mm-hmm. you know um but you know there's there's stuff like that and and then there's you're also dealing with uh video and the person's current internet connection and if that drops out while they're recording you know, we've got to have fallback situations for that, you know? Oh, yes. Cool. And and when you look ahead at the roadmap, does it start to tell you where the limits are of what you and the one engineer can do and like who you would hire? Or do you think about hiring on the, on the marketing side before engineering? Uh, I do plan to hire on the marketing side first before I double up the engineer, but... I'm sure we will grow the engineering team <laughs> yeah, at some point yeah, too. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but but I would say the the more of the the need in the company is would be marketing stuff, and I could talk more about that here. But that's where I plan to put more resources. Cool. I mean, pretty soon. Yeah. Why, why don't we, why don't we take the conversation there? Because the if it feels like both of us are thinking that we just had a a lot of need on the engineering product side that was unavoidable for our type of a product. So we, you know, we have 12 people on product and engineering before any marketers, which is a weird thing. And, you know, very different of uh, just from raising money. I'm just curious about that actually. Cause I, I I've, I've never worked with that many or leading, leading a, a tech team of that many people. I've the most I've worked at at any given time on my own stuff is like, three developers max, right? So, I mean, I know you have like Rock is like the CTO. What is that in terms of like organizing who's working on what and and the sprints and everything? Yeah, there's a VP of product and then a product manager. So two people on product. And then you have a backend team and the backend team consists of three backend right now. Uh, then we have a frontend team and that's another three. And one of them is is... Uh, experienced and so she's really in the lead role there which is really really helpful and then we have devops and that's just uh, one person with another person helping yes i think i have that right and then we have qa and qa we just have one and so he's kind of you know setting up all the systems uh, for deployments and security and all that stuff and automated testing and it already has different requirements in terms of uh leadership. So really the thing we've been working on is getting deployments right. So we, we've, we worked on our development servers for a while and just push things out to production. So now that we're playing in production, the process 
is now paramount. We have to get the process right. Because we're, what we're doing is we're, tell, you know, we're thinking a little bit into the future from our experience with the card hook checkout. We know once you have merchants processing tens of millions of dollars in revenue every week, then all of a sudden your deployment process is fraught with danger and you cannot mess it up. And so we're, we are prematurely imposing a very high level of discipline in that process now in anticipation. So now we already have these things coming up around, well, w- which roles do we need? You know, we, we don't want Rock to do everything. Well, one, one of the things, it's not that he did everything, but he was a very critical element in the whole thing and the deployment process. Somebody for the middle of the night call. Yes, right? yes. So we're, we're trying to lower that a little bit. So that's, that's what it looks like now. And these teams are working on their own projects and they're working with products to identify what they should be working on. And the product people along with Rock are making sure that the coordination between front end and back end people are working in the same direction. But it is, it gets weird because if you have one feature that requires both back end and front end work, maybe the front end work is a day and the back end work is six days. And then, and then you're pulling and pushing and then asking people to stop what they're doing so you can get this feature deployed. And that side of things, that magic, on how people take code and coordinate together on a single feature. I have no idea how people are able to do that. And it is just magic to me. That's like where my respect for the engineering side is because I just do not, if you tell me one person with a computer working on stuff, deploying, testing, I, I can wrap my mind around that. When you start to talk about a bunch of people all in coordination, all on different time zones, all in different things, and then how that works with like GitHub and everyone pushing things and pull requests, that that stuff is just it's just magic. I do I do not understand. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, just the technology of Git is, is still completely blows my mind. <laughs> right. The bre- the branches, like how does it work? How does it how does it actually work? Yeah. And and just the fact that like I have two different Macs that I work from and and then there's my developer's machine and you know we can check in and check out code and different branches and then merge it and, and push, which is amazing. But it's still just us. And and I and I love being in the product. Like that's my that's that's my sweet spot in terms of where I work best. So I like day in, day out, just like knowing because we go, I wrote this on, on Twitter the other day that like a really good developer, at least for the way that I work, they have to be a really great writer because we are hashing out technical details in writing. That's what, what, what we're doing every day. Yeah. Much more critical than verbal on, on that side of things. It, it's got to be. Yeah, I, I think so. Because it's, uh, it leaves no room for miscommunication. We literally choose every word really carefully so that we are both 100% on the same page about how this interaction is going to work from from the whole flow front to back. Yeah, the the precision required in the language, especially when you have a team of people who speak different languages as their native tongues, gets gets a little hairy, but it is better when it's written because it, it levels the playing ground. Just because you're not comfortable speaking in English because you never do it, that doesn't really matter nearly as much as being able to write out your thoughts precisely. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason we, we've been able to ship th- things so quickly over over the last couple of years between Process Kit and, and Zip Message is um, I really can't think of a time at all when we built the wrong thing because there was a miscommunication. I Like, I, I know that a lot of teams sort of yeah. have that issue sometimes. That's, that's rare. <laughs> 
the times when things take longer, it's because we ran into technical complexity that it it, ju- it just turned out to be a little bit more tricky than than we had than our original research right showed. But right. you know, m- most of the time, it's like okay, we do this analysis, we completely understand each other, we know this is going to take four days to build, we build it. There's some bugs, we fix them, we ship it. Like, yeah, I would say not only was that not the case for us at Cardhook, that was one of the biggest obstacles because we had a team, right, called just say 25 people. It varied between like 19 and 27, depending on the time and so on. But one of our biggest challenges was the communication between the marketing, customer support, customer success, and then giving the requirements over to engineering. And then what came out of engineering, if it was just a few degrees off, that that was a regular problem for us. We created buffer zones between when things were ready and when things were actually deployed so that the customer facing teams were able to see it and give feedback. And we, we really tried to do that. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. The, as soon as the team grows, and that's like one example of how things slow down as soon as you start to hire. You're like, oh, we need more muscle. We're going to hire people. We're going to go faster. And that's just, it's just not the way it works. Yeah. But you can't give everybody the rights to push to staging or production, right? And like that, that's where I, I don't even know what it's like to have a team like that. The one thing that, that like we're really fast right now with zip message, but like process get, since day one, we're writing full test coverage for every, every single feature. I think that was a huge process kit that we're taking to zip message, but we're not getting up to like continuous deployment things quite yet with, with zip message. So if the hire is going to be in marketing, do you have a good feel for what that person is going to be responsible for? Or is it hire someone and, and, and let them lead? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of thinking right now about what, what this company that I'm building is going to shape up to be in terms of what, what our focus as a company and product and our strategy around marketing. I've had a bit of an evolution on this just in the last few weeks, I guess. I put out a tweet that, you know, sort of made the rounds two weeks ago. It started with, you know, a a general frustration with B2B SaaS marketing in general. It just feels harder in 2021 and murkier and there's a lot of little things that that obviously still need to be done from an SEO standpoint, from from an optimiz- from a conversion rate optimization, from onboarding to your copy to your understanding of the customer and and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is, you know, we're we've we've got plenty of work to do on all those fronts. We'll we'll, we'll be working on that. I've come to the conclusion that like really the way to build a really strong product company is to build a really strong brand. And that that term brand gets thrown around a lot, like, oh, whatever, it's just a logo, doesn't matter. Or oh, what do you think, you're Pepsi, you're gonna put up billboards in, in, in Yankee Stadium or something like that? Like, like, no, that's not really what I'm getting at. I, I think that just in general, the things that you are known for on the internet, whether it's you personally, whether it's the personalities on your team, whether it's just the general output from your company, you are known for something. Whether you want to be known for something or not. Yes, you define it or they define it. What do I know? Either they define it or you define it. And there's a lot, a, 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 I would say the majority of SaaS companies who 
don't care to define themselves in any way. And, and they also fall into, they don't get defined because they're just doing everything that everyone else is doing. The same type of blog posts, the same type of PPC funnels, the same type of SEO plays and stuff. And like some of that stuff is, is still good to do, especially when there's a good opportunity to, to tackle. But I just want to put out better stuff, raise the quality bar, make it more interesting for our people and make it different. It has to be different. It has to be better than anything you've seen before. And it has to be like memorable and worth talking about. You, you don't talk about, even if something executed really well, you don't talk about it unless it was different and better. And, um, and so that got me thinking to like, all right, the types of things that, that we should be investing in when it comes to brand and and creating really awesome stuff on the internet these days in 2021 tends to look like podcasts, tends to look like video content, and then repurposing a lot of that stuff in, in different ways. And, and even doing that, do, doing podcasts and video content in new and interesting and different ways. And the idea of like, lean into your strengths, right? Like for you, you know, business development, integrations, relationships, networking, for me, looking back through all of my products ever, a lot of them on the forum, it has like, how did you hear about audience ops? How did you hear about process kit? 90% plus say, heard you on a podcast, <laughs> either your podcast or you were on somebody else's podcast, right? And so this idea of audience, so I'm not really trying to, to, to build a personal brand in this new company, but I want the company to run with that, to, to lean into, we build audiences by putting out really awesome shit. And I heard um, uh, Natalie from Postmark. Um, oh yeah, no, Nagali? Is that yeah. right? Okay. She, she had this uh, great quote on, on, a, on a podcast where she was talking about like, let's just not pollute the internet. <laughs> you know, Let, like if it's not great, like we just don't want to put it out. And, that, and that's sort of how my, my thinking on, on all this, right? And hey. so anyway, that's a long, that. long-winded way to, to come around to say, the way that I'm thinking about marketing in this new thing is like, Patrick Campbell put it really well the other day. Actually, this was a tweet from last year, but I pulled it up the other day. This was part of a larger thread, but this one tweet he wrote, media companies are the best in the world at driving traffic and audience, but they're the worst at monetizing that traffic. So so copy the former and do something else for the latter, meaning build software. So, so the way that I'm thinking about it is basically do like build like media content, build a media brand, but the way that we monetize it is with our SaaS product. Yes. So we, um, amen. Amen. Preach, so, Brian. <laughs> so the first hire is somebody that I'm talking to about being like a media creator. So somebody to drive the podcast stuff to drive the video, really taking it from more of like a, like a, like, like a film production angle, like a, like a, like a creative director, a storyteller, somebody to, to co-host podcasts, to, to bring in other people and, and interview them. We'll incorporate a lot of async interviews using zip message and stuff like that. The first person is going to be in that sort of like creative role. Like a, I'm calling it like a media creator, but then to, to pair that up probably soon after that hire would be what I'm thinking of more like a technical marketer. So this is probably more of a part-time 
role uh, somebody to like as we're creating and putting out stuff into the world, whether it's a new show, a, a new thing, somebody to work on how do, how do we just drive traffic to that? How do we optimize SEO plays on the site? How do we um, yeah, where do those you know, things live? Where do they get promoted? What are the right channels? Yeah, tracking everything yeah. in analytics, like making sure everything is dialed in, email writing, social media stuff. So like somebody to kind of handle all those little things. And then the media creator is sort of driving the the create the creative side of that. I'm giving my input. I'll be involved in some of the podcast stuff, but I'm the head of product. I'm, I'm on product every day. I'll I'll be giving my input on that stuff. So that that's sort of like the direction of where the, how this early team in my at least in my mind right now is 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 shaping up. Still sort of a question of funding it all and 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 the, and the timing of certain hires and making it all work, but. Um, I'm pretty excited about it and I'm sort of, uh, not, not waiting around and, and we're, we're going to pr- try to move on this thing. Cause I, I feel like zip message is, is, is moving. So that's really exciting. I, I am impressed. I think that is it. If you looked at our Slack right now in the leadership team, what I just wrote to the team was barstool sports. That is marketing. Audience building through media, right? That's why Penn Gambling acquired them. It's why HubSpot acquired the hustle. It's why Stripe has Stripe Press. The most powerful thing is media. That's what drives the most attention. And SaaS, there's never been a better business model for monetizing than, than, than SaaS if you yeah, also factor in the valuation. It's, it's more defensible than anything else, right? And you know, I think a lot of people look at that sort of stuff as, oh, well, that's what big, that's what Stripe can do. That's what the big companies can do. Yes. But I let's, don't, I don't let, buy let's that. See what we can I, do. I yeah. think that it's something that, that we should be investing in as early as possible. Yeah, I agree. Especially if you need, if you, if you're a new entry into a market, you need to be noticed. You need to be, you need to differentiate. Yes. Here's the thing that I use my like mental cycles when it comes to marketing is the talent. How do you find the talent? Because that is in limited supply. And the the people who have already been discovered and understand their talent, they're unlikely to come work for you. (laughs) They have a sub stack and they're making $30,000 a month writing a newsletter. You know, so, so it's almost like young, unidentified talent. I think what Churnbuster did with Kristen LaFrance in identifying her talent and then just giving her this pedestal to operate out of you they just gave her a stage and it it was like you know immediate bang as soon as she got a stage all this light went on to her and it drove an enormous amount of interest and then shopify very wisely basically acquired her as an asset basically made her an offer she couldn't refuse and now she works at shopify so that's that's the right there a smart, forward-thinking startup identifies talent, and then the, the value of that talent is undeniable in the market. And then the highest bidder gets to get, get you know gets to go after that. That is absolutely the hardest thing. Again, with this frustration that I that I put out on Twitter with just marketing in general, a lot of that frustration is like how to hire a marketer because there are so many professional marketers who do a good job at 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 the at the typical common things that you see in right. marketing. Executing and yeah, Ex- just executing. It's still 80, 20, the top 20% are awesome. 
but, yeah. it, but it's not as and, rare. And there's still opportunities to that. If you're great at that, that that's great. Again, and I'm not saying like that stuff shouldn't be done, but to me, as I'm thinking about investing in marketing, I see it as a two, two person role. One is that creative side. And then the other person is, are those technical marketing skills to, to, to tie it all together and, and make it, make it click. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, uh, I, I love so. it. I love it. I, I have my eye out. I am searching. I don't want to use the word desperate because then they'll know how much I'm willing to pay. <laughs> but the, the talent, the talent is the thing. You know, a bunch of folks probably, probably have heard of this before, but I, I just discovered it about a week ago. Uh, Jay Okunzo. Um, yeah, I got introduced to him recently. Really impressive stuff he does. Really, really impressive stuff. He basically uh, takes individual like creators and shows them how to like basically go to the next level. Do, do I have that right? Am I remembering? His podcast that I'm into now is called Unthinkable. He's basically on this thing like, look, we just got to create better shit. And whether that's video, podcasting content, whatever you're doing, like, like, but it's it, it's just about the creative process. Um, and then he, he's sort of all about like tying it back into business and, and representing your brand and, and, and you can literally hear it in his podcast, like every episode, it's like, I can't even imagine how many hours went into editing this one episode. It's crazy, but that's the kind of commitment and creativity and, and thought that has to go into this sort of thing. If, if it's really going to stand out. And, and I don't think that it's just about production value. It, it has to also be about the ideas and the story and yeah. And um, what, what people are interested in. For me, that's the the part where I'm like, we're ju- we're we're just gonna write blog posts like everyone else. That's that's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. So I just looked up Jay, found him on Twitter, looked at our DMs, and the last thing I wrote to Jay was, "quote I think it's the best thing software companies can do. Just build the media team in house." And then he did give a little heart next to it. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. So. I'm drinking that Kool-Aid lately, and uh, Amen. I like it. But it's, it, it, but you know what? It it sort of speaks right to my general frustration with marketing, and it's sort of like turn it on its head, make make marketing like something that that you get excited about, and I, I think that's generally what what works. You know. Cool. I'm I'm excited to to, <laughs> to see that happen. We are going for a biz dev partnerships role first, because the, I I can't do all of it. But the the next job description that we have is like, okay, who is this person? How, how do we find them? Is it really a job listing? Is that where is that where we're going to find them? Or is it identifying on Twitter and then a DM for me and then basically the the full hard sell of here is why you you need to come work with us. That's what that's what it feels like it's going to take. I just think that like again like SaaS in general it, it, it's still evolving in the, in the way that it's sold and marketed. You know, it's, it's, it's super crowded in all, in all the categories these days, right? Like SaaS itself is not new, but the, but the way that we market SaaS products, I think is still, it's, it's always changing, but I, I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's been pretty stagnant in, in terms of how, how things work on the marketing side. Yeah, and, and it's been stratified, you know, companies that have limited resources just don't invest in brand the same way. Because it's disconnected from ROI and that makes it hard to focus on. It's just a fact. Cool, man. Well, I'm going to uh, go grab some lunch with a friend. Getting, I don't know if you saw the TikTok that came out this morning where it's like, stop working. It's time to drink. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great to see you, Brian. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Later, folks. See you.